You're listening to The Marriage Project Podcast, episode number 22. The Marriage Project is a community organization that exists to educate a future generation while encouraging and inspiring hope for this one through the portrait of God's design for marriage. It is a collective of stories from couples spanning across the nation and globe to share with you the hope they have found in Jesus. This is a one-stop shop to hear how God has impacted each life here and to shine light and shed light on what our part is in his plan. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Marriage Project Podcast. This is your host, Alicia Miller, like the introduction just said, and I am so happy to have you joining in to listen to the story of Tim and Stephanie Brorsma. They live up in Linden, Washington. It was a last-minute thing that God made happen for me to get up there to interview with Tim and Stephanie in person. I wasn't sure with a filled October schedule if that was going to be feasible, but God had October 5th designed and designated set apart for the three of us to meet and sit down um, at their church to discuss more of their testimony, more of their story. If you're here because you know of Stephanie's ministry or you're led to this episode because of it, you know a little bit about her ministry, what her heart is, but those of you who just happen to find yourself here and are listening to this episode, I believe that it's completely by the sovereignty of God that you're listening. If you are finding yourself in the midst of marital betrayal like Stephanie found herself in about 11 years ago when Tim confessed to multiple affairs and a 10-year pornography addiction. So her ministry is called Reclaim Ministry and it's reclaimedministry.com. I will link it in the episode notes and on Instagram so you can find her easier. She has a devotional and small group materials to help women heal from the betrayal of an affair. So some of the key elements found on her website are finding hope in the midst of chaos and pain, finding healing from shame, anger, and brokenness, gaining confidence as you rebuild trust and self-worth, and just posing questions if you've been betrayed in your marriage. Are you feeling paralyzed? Will this pain ever go away? Are you struggling to move past the affair? Do you feel betrayed by God? Are Do you feel like life is out of control? Has pornography addiction hurt your marriage? And many others. And have had the opportunity to sit down with not just Stephanie, but Tim as well and get his side of the story and hear from a male's perspective, hear from her husband's heart of what was going on in that time of his life and how he walked through confessing and what it's taken to get to this point of this ministry that Stephanie has had the Lord lead her to create. Um, without keeping you here longer, I will let the episode play and it's about 40 minutes long. I really pray that you're blessed and if you are finding yourself in the midst of betrayal in marriage, feel free to reach out for prayer. I would love to hear feedback or just hear from you and know what's going on in your marriage or in your heart. Or if you'd rather, you can reach out to Stephanie. She has an email set up. You can also sign up to get the first chapter for free from her devotional. So we dive right into that, what her book cover is, what it means, and I hope and pray you're blessed by the sharing of Tim and Stephanie's testimony. So I'm here with Stephanie and Tim Brorsma, and we are here in Linden, Washington, and I just want them to go ahead and say hello, and we're going to be talking about um, just what they've gone through in their marriage and um, just unpack that part of their story and hear a little bit more about Stephanie's ministry and the book you wrote called Reclaimed Ministry and what that means and 
what God's brought you through and the healing and all the different restorative parts of it. And so if you guys just want to say hello and introduce yourselves really quickly. Yeah, thanks for having us. My name is Stephanie Brorsma, and this is Tim my <laughs> Yes. And what do you guys do? Um, you guys are a par- or parents of four. Yes, four kids. So we have four. Um, our youngest is four. Our oldest is 16. Three girls and a boy. And I'm pretty much a stay-at-home mom, and then it's the full-time ministry. Yeah, awesome. Tim. And I have a whole company that renovates hotels and resorts around the country. Right, and you said you travel a lot, <laughs> like travel with, me. Yeah, I travel <laughs> with this amount. Yeah, so it probably just takes you. Have What's like one of the coolest places you've been to? Oh, man. Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> I hear you sarcasm. You know what? We do work in Hawaii, and after a while, oh. Hawaii is just another place to work. Really? So all the cool exotic places lose their luster after a while because oh we do gosh. high-end boutique hotels. Yeah. And so when you go to a place like Fort Worth or <laughs> Omaha or these places that don't people don't think they have as much luster, but then you get there and you're like, this place is awesome because you're done with the tropics and all the right. other cool spots. <laughs> I don't know. Our country is riddled with awesome places. Yeah, it really is. The different terrains. So you guys mentioned how you met. Mm -hmm. They met in high school. And Stephanie, you were best friends with Tim's sister. Yes. And they were telling us a little bit about the love letter, Stephanie, that you wrote to Tim on a trip to Portland. Was that? No, she was a freshman. Yeah, the oh, love letter gotcha. was back in Sorry. freshman. Yes. I wanted to bring in but the love letter. But then it was kind of discarded. His sister gave me some advice that said, you know, my brother's going to call and ask you out. You need to say no. <laughs> and I was a good Because you were in the right place. Yeah, exactly. I was totally in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I was perfectly fine. He was. <laughs> and I was finally just... got the guts to ask her out. After she's writing me letters saying, ask me out. So I do. And then she goes, yeah, your sister told me not to. So I'm not, I'm going to say no. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was awful. Wait, I have a question too. Yeah. Legitimate question for the guys out there. Um, when you get a letter like that, is that helpful? Like to the girls that think, I want the guy to just pursue me full out. Like it depends on what age the guy is. Okay. If you're in the teen years, that just goes straight to your pride and ego. And right. Like, yes. Yes not helpful no no okay no so it is i would actually argue that almost at no point is that a helpful letter because guys struggle with pride mm. and now all that does is makes you perpetuate a little bit and mm. that's not going to be helpful yeah but then that was like very courageous to put your heart out on a platter like you said and yeah say here's my heart this is how i feel i think it's kind I of a ruth and boaz kind of moment a- Maybe. I don't know. I think that came later. The high school love note, that was probably just some young teenage boy crush letter. Back on track. So we were talking about Stephanie's book. Um, And the cover of it has a tree stump with a heart in the middle. And you're just saying how broken pieces made whole or just um, what it signifies. So can you just describe that one more time? Yeah. You know, it was interesting. You know, when I was coming up, um, I never planned to have a ministry. I never planned to to write a book. Mm -hmm. I actually hated English class in high school. I was not the best student. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of my mentor friends said, you know, you need to write this curriculum. You need Mm -hmm. to, you know, turn it into a book. And um, we had to come up with a ministry brand, a logo. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about it, um, I was just thinking about how, like, when you walk through a forest, you see all these trees that are, you know, have fallen. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people would just kind of discard them and not see any purpose in it. Mm -hmm. But the beauty is that you can take a 
a tree that's fallen down and you can build a home out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different purposes for mm-hmm. for reclaimed wood. Mm-hmm. And just seeing um, the testimony that we've we have Mm -hmm. is that you know our marriage was one of those trees that fell down and yet God saw purpose Mm -hmm. in it and how there's hope in something that looks dead and hope that Mm -hmm. there's something you know when something is completely shattered and broken there's Mm -hmm. still something to be made out of it Mm -hmm. and every ring represents a different year of life right Mm -hmm. and it's shaped differently and it's formed differently and all together represents the story Mm -hmm. Um, I think so often people look at a tree or you know something like that and they look at just the outside and they they forget that there's layer upon layer right. of reality inside that this thing has gone through make what it is today so and no story is the same you know like you were sharing with the the tree rings you know every tree is different every tree is unique um, it shows its age it shows its it's like the the rings on the tree are kind of like your DNA mm-hmm. um, and so that's where the heart comes in is that that's the that's God yeah. in the center that's God is the foundation and isn't it true that the rings tell you how old the tree mm-hmm. is yeah, yeah that's so interesting and you guys said you've been married for 18 years 18 years so you have 18 rings on your yeah. tree stump so yeah. that's so cool so getting into that so you're and they go perfectly round <laughs> and then all of a sudden one year they just go <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh but that's real I feel like gosh people when they step into marriage I think there's like just so much expectation and then life hits and yeah expectation and fantasy right Mm. like you enter Mm. marriage I was 21 you were 22 you know white picket fence right we're gonna go into marriage it's gonna be perfect we're gonna have the perfect little kids and we don't have any perfect little kids I mean we may have a favorite but we we don't have perfect kids we don't have the perfect home we don't have the perfect marriage you know it's not been perfect you know all 18 years and three years of dating so um I think that's part of society's problem is that you know as a young bride you're like oh this is gonna be amazing and Mm -hmm. then it was just marriage I was thinking about all the fires raging around us and I know you guys said there was the spike in your marriage where yeah it kind of went off course or just went through a season of hardship and so couldn't help but think of that portrait of the fires all around us with smoke and the obstruction of views so was there a season that felt similar where just felt smoky all around or vision was distorted and what you found the purpose in that because I know fires and the it brings destruction but it also brings new growth right beauty from ashes like a lot of people say so what did you guys walk through part of the testimony and then how if that correlates like what you saw when the smoke cleared I didn't see the smoke at first I didn't even see a hint of a fire smoldering before his confession Mm -hmm. honestly it was so blindside um that I, I didn't see any sort of danger mm-hmm. prior to that. So it was year seven. Um, our oldest was four and a half, and our son, Charlie, was just over a year. Mm-hmm. And during Charlie's pregnancy, like, we had grown distant, but it wasn't like we talked about it. It was mm-hmm. just one of those things where that really was the year where, like, it just kind of became business, business, almost like college roommates. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that. I mean, we were still... We still laugh together, yeah. Everything was still, I mean, on the surface, even to us, on the surface, it was fine. We were just busy, but it wasn't, didn't have the depth Mm. that it had before. Yeah, Yeah, and so I, um, we we were here at church for a children's event, and we went home that night, 
um, it was a Wednesday night. We came home, and you had hopped in the shower, and I was just going to hop on Facebook real quick, just check a couple things, and I noticed that his account was, was up, and back then you could check your deleted messages. You could actually undelete them. Um, clearly, that that has changed since then. <laughs> you can't find hidden things anymore. Mm. And um, there was a message from this gal over in Russia. And at the first line I saw was, I'm so sorry I woke you up with my um, early phone call. I didn't realize what time it was. And that was like the immediate stomach pit, like, what? <laughs> he called her? And the next line was, I, I really like your new hairstyle. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I'm a hairstylist. That was like my career before kids and before ministry. And so the fact that he complimented somebody else on their hair and yet it took him weeks to notice mine, um, those were big red flags. And so that was where our the the, the rings uh-huh. <laughs> went way <laughs> south and there was something in, you know that innate feeling like there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. I know that gut feeling of there's something more than just a conversation here. Right. There was nothing sexually discussed in that email. I just knew something, there was something up. And so I left that up. I went to bed and you saw that. And mm-hmm. I remember telling you that night, if there were, if it was nothing, you wouldn't have to defend yourself so much. Right. Yep. <laughs> Tim, You're really said. brave. What she said. Like, to sit here and <laughs> no, like, both fine. of you guys, like to revisit it and like talk about it. So didn't see the smoke had did you have a conversation at that point and you said the confession so did you bring it to the table at that point Tim were you like oh gosh like what was the reaction uh, you know I don't know if it was a day or a couple days or what it was the next day it was the next day see that's what wives are for they remember (laughs) I can tell you what I was wearing I can tell you what I was cooking dinner Uh, you know what I sat in my office that whole day just numb and Mm. I called my pastor and I said, uh, um, I'm gonna go home and confess to my wife this. And he goes, uh, no you're not, you're gonna come into my office. I came in and uh, you know, and prior to this, you know, six months before, mm-hmm. um, I really had gone through a, I hated who I was, I was lost. Uh, I was struggling with pornography, was screwing around and, um, and I, sur- I had a day in my office where my business partner, we shared an office, and he, he spun around and he goes, man, you know, I'm studying Revelation. He's like, God, we're gonna, they're going to burn in hell if we don't get it right. And I remember just going, oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I literally left the room. I went out on the side of the building, and I just broke. Mm-hmm. I remember just saying, I can't do it anymore. you got to mm-hmm. take it. So from that point on, I had really been on a good path. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't shut down just conversations that, you know, it's like, it's like the alcoholic that goes to the bar and doesn't have a drink, but he's still going to the bar. Right. Right. Yeah. So I was in that mode. Um, st- still trying to believe that as long as I didn't act on stuff, mm-hmm. I'm that's good. Fine. Yeah. And that's not the Bible says. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then that happened, she caught that. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I went to my pastor and just said, here's, mm-hmm. here it is. And he gave great advice in the moment Hmm. um you just said okay well we need to first get the kids out of the house Hmm. and i'm like no she's gonna need the kids and he's like yes she is gonna need the kids and there'll be a distraction and she Hmm. won't process and so he kind of coached us through that and i went home and Hmm. confessed and she was not she was shocked and broken but she knew i think she at that point you knew I think I knew there was more to it than the email, but I didn't realize there was that much. Right. <laughs> right. The 
the weight of mm-hmm. confession. Right. And honestly, what frustrated me more about that moment was you fell to the floor and weep for joy. Mm-hmm. And then I was stuck with this burden, mm-hmm. this like massive blind side of a confession. Because you probably had a weight lifted. Oh, and then it's almost yes. like you maybe took it on. Yep. That's Absolutely. exactly what happened. Wow. Yeah. And you know, you say to yourself before anything like this happens, like, it's one of those unspoken marriage rules mm-hmm. of, oh, if you ever cheat on me, there's no second chances. Like, we never had this discussion of, hey, can we discuss um, infidelity just right. so we both know where we stand? Like, if you ever do X, Y, Z, this is going to be the consequence. We never had that. We just kind of assumed. Right. So in the moment, I was really coming face to face with everything that I said. Like, I always said there was no second chances. I always said... You know, you're going to be so quick out that door that's going to slam you in the butt, you know? <laughs> right? Like, that's right. just what you, you think. think. Yeah. Um, and then you're caught up in the moment, and you're having to juggle the emotions mm-hmm. and the frustration of, like, oh, he's an absolute pig, and he's just destroyed my life, and yet I still want him. I still mm-hmm. love him. Mm-hmm. And yet he repulses me. Like, I can't even look at him. Mm-hmm. But yet I want him like it's so you just feel so bipolar emotionally Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um yeah your weaves of joy Mm. (laughs) oh they pissed me off (laughs) it was it was like that last thread it was the last talent the enemy had in you Mm because you know like that moment you said six months prior to confession I saw the change I saw the spiritual leader that I was craving that I didn't know I was craving I saw the change mm-hmm. um certain family members noticed the change certain friends were like oh wow he's a lot more engaged with the kids mm-hmm. like oh this is great mm-hmm. you know that that fog I felt during the pregnancy and um postpartum depression with our son Charlie I that was gone mm-hmm. so I was like th- things are going really well yeah wow so you mo- you mentioned your um, subtitle was reclaimed, finding your identity after marital betrayal. Right. So, what motivated you guys to fight for your marriage, and what were some of the practical steps or the process to like reconciling after this marital betrayal? How long did it take for you? Was there trust issues that ensued? Was there... Oh, goodness. Oh, gosh, I yeah. would still say I have trust issues. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm going to say no matter what, I think there's always going to be an element of yeah. that in a relationship because you have yeah. so much invested. Yep. You, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I remember once I gained my footing, I stood up and I said, um, what you had mentioned to me that, you know, I respect whatever decision you make. And I said, well, you have to stay here for the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Nobody preps for that moment mm-hmm. of, oh, if my husband comes home or if my spouse comes home, like, this is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have a pre-recorded message yeah. in your mind. And so I, that was the first thing that just kind of flew out of my mouth. Um, I came to church and I did some more processing with a mentor and a friend. And it was all of those little messages from our trusted mentors mm-hmm. that really kind of made my decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the first books I read was by Gary Chapman, Hope for the Separated. Mm. Uh, this was a book I read probably three days post-confession. And it Gary does a great job about laying out all of the options, mm. right? Like I had biblical reason to exit the marriage, um, but I struggled with that decision. It's messy, right? And oh, yeah. so I'm, I have all of that going. I don't want to be that person. I don't want that for our kids. Mm. But yet I don't know how to make this work and... 
So Gary, he just says in his book, um, you know, divorce does not lead to happiness. And after I got done reading that book, it was kind of the decision of like, no, I don't want a divorce. But okay, God, you got to make it so clear to me because I don't know how to make this work. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of when the process started. And then 10 days after confession was Good Friday. Mm -hmm. And um, God knows how stubborn I am. And I think that's why God allowed the confession to happen at the time of Easter. Because how can I go through Good Friday and accept Christ's gift to me? Um, when he says you need to forgive as you've been forgiven, and yet I can't extend that to my husband. Mm. And so that's that really is the, that was kind of the process of choosing yeah. to stay married, right. even though I knew it was going to be ugly and, and hard. Did you know, Tim, that there was going to be, like, you're like, okay, I'm going to have to have patience through this <laughs> as you worked it out? Or yeah. what was that transforming process like for you? Like, Oh, it sucked. Um... <laughs> Sorry to put you on the no, spot. It's, it's just, it, it is what it is, right? I mean, it, I knew I have to be patient. I, I had a gal that kind of a mom to me in our office who I knew had gone through this. So mm-hmm. the next day I sat down in her office and I said, mm-hmm. here's what I just told my wife. Mm-hmm. And she closed that door and she's like, she, she was huge for both of us mm-hmm. in that she kept... You know, I'd be like, guys, she's just not responding to me, and I want to know what's going on. And she just kept saying, who the hell are you? Mm. You need to remind yourself mm. you did this. Mm. And she's like, Steph didn't ask for this. Mm-hmm. You brought it on. So you can sit, and you can be patient, mm. and you can process, because you put yourself here. And, and I needed to hear that. As mm. much as I wanted her to console me and all that, she was like, no. You made a choice. Mm-hmm. There are consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big help, and that helped me stay relatively patient. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, then we made a choice early on. I don't know if we made it together or not, but to surround ourselves, mm-hmm. that we both individually made a choice to surround ourselves with like-minded mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. You know, the Change. world says exit in this moment. Mm-hmm. Church doesn't say exit, or the Bible doesn't say exit. Mm-hmm. Bible gives an option, mm-hmm. but Christ's word is about redemption and reconciliation and right. resurrection. And, mm-hmm. um, so we surrounded ourselves with people who spoke that truth, mm-hmm. and that made a big difference. One of the other things I, you know, in my mind, I was done. I did it, confessed it, we're golden. Moving on, yeah. Um, and our, my pastor pushed really hard. He's like, there is a whole other layer that you have not processed. And, mm-hmm. um, and again, like I was saying earlier, us guys are prideful. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I needed the next round of, you know, he sent me up to Canada to meet with a guy mm-hmm. who was an auto dealer. And like, Frank. Frank. <laughs> and I just, Shout out Frank. He goes, you need to go meet with Frank. So I met with Frank, and it was awkward. And it, he told me his whole story about how he had a gambling addiction. I'm like, this just does not. He doesn't. This, well, I don't know why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And it was really weird. And... Uh, Anyways, he started to tell this story how, you know, he got addicted to gambling and then he sold a vehicle and he used that money to gamble. And he always had a story for his wife mm-hmm. of how he was doing this. And pretty soon he was gone every night doing this thing. Mm-hmm. As he went along, she had to continue to give up things because mm-hmm. someone needed to be with the kids. And what was his one night out with his buddies now was four nights out. Mm-hmm. And it kept telling the story. And at the end of the story, he said, he goes, I killed off the woman that I had married. She was no longer that woman. And it was like an immediate moment where I just went, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. We, had, we bought a business. 
we didn't buy a business. I bought her a business. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're going to own a salon. And she's like, huh? <laughs> and we went for it. And we just went all in. And it was awesome. And it was fun. And then my dream mm-hmm. came true. And my singing group, we won the world championship singing. And it, we were traveling the world. And the moment that hit, pride came in. Mm-hmm. And the moment pride came in, there was like this, it was all about me. And pretty soon, in order for me to keep doing, building my business, mm-hmm. building our singing thing, mm-hmm. there just every day we had to be a little piece of Steph that was taken away. And over time, mm-hmm. she wasn't the woman I had married. Mm-hmm. That wasn't her fault because right. the Bible's pretty clear and I believe strongly that I'm supposed to lead and I'm, we do it together. Mm-hmm. But there is a responsibility on my shoulders mm-hmm. as the husband to create to create an environment where our marriage is strong mm-hmm. and the important things are first and I put me first, right? Mm-hmm. And in doing so, she was eroded. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the hardest thing I had to process because mm-hmm. realizing, you know, people say that guys who go down the road of adultery or pornography, there's you know, the world will say that she must not have been fulfilling to him, and that was not the case. It was though, in that period of time, she was not Feeling my needs of one of my love language of mm-hmm. you know physical touch, mm-hmm. but that was because I had stripped her away of everything mm-hmm. she was, yeah. you know, and she was just trying to survive with the business that we built together. And then I exited, mm-hmm. and then I'd come home and be frustrated that the business wasn't doing well. Mm-hmm. Well, what had changed? Me, right? And so processing that, I think, was the hardest thing. And I think a lot of guys go through this; they confess. And they get, then they dive back in and get back to what we do. And I think, I, looking back, we surrounded ourselves with the right people mm-hmm. who pressed us to really process the depth of what had gone on and not just what had gone on, but what were the layers behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that then you can move forward with, um, you know, understanding and you can watch for certain patterns to emerge again, right? right? We all have patterns, and I I can see, she'll tell me, if my pride's getting Mm -hmm. boosted, or I can sense it even, it's like, and then I start to notice that my actions shift, Mm -hmm. and that's the devil, and that's our society, Mm -hmm. and we don't guard against it, and we don't educate ourselves on what that looks like, so that when it comes, we can be humble enough to say, ah, I see a pattern emerging, and it's the same one that I went down 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. so I think that process that we went through for that while Mm -hmm. afterwards was critical. And it's always, like, the battle against the devil, the flesh, mm-hmm. and the world. Like, mm-hmm. there's the three things always against us. And yeah. temptation's not going anywhere. But you see, you start to recognize, and you're growing from it. And just what a testimony, too, to, like, the body of Christ. To have mm-hmm. people around you, supporting you, praying for you, not judging you. Right. I think that's the scariest part about confession is what you feel might, yeah. people might see you as now. But then mm-hmm. you're always welcome with the healthy church and they're gonna wrap their arms around you in love and bring you close we had a very unique Mm -hmm. set of mentors honestly Mm -hmm. we didn't get the traditional marriage counseling afterwards Mm -hmm. I had six weeks of traditional counseling you had some years later but we had people um, our pastors and our mentors it was daily check-ins it was Mm -hmm. daily accountability Um, that's unheard of and so for us it was kind of like built-in counselors Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of a funny funny moment was I think it was like three months post confession we Mm -hmm. had our first overnight and it was it was um, 
for her anniversary. Mm. And I'm like, I am still completely shattered. Like the thought of going overnight or becoming intimate with you just Mm. like makes me cringe and crawl. And my mentor, my sweet little pastor's (laughs) wife mentor, she's like, honey, you know, some things have to start up again. And it was the sweetest thing. And so we planned this getaway together. And guess who's in the condo next to us? Our mentors. It was not planned. planned. They didn't even know where we were going. No. And so here I'm like, yeah, like they're looking at us like, how's it going? Like, this is so weird. Like, who goes on vacation with their like counselor mentors? I know. (laughs) So it was a very unique healing setup and a healing bubble Mm -hmm. that we had. We also didn't share with people. I mean, it was our intimate family or immediate family. Um, and maybe two or three close friends. Mm. We did not share with people. Yeah. And that's another thing, right? I mean, everyone, like, these moments hit, and one or two of the people just start blasting mm-hmm. on social media. We're separated. We're struggling. Please pray for us. Mm-hmm. That is, like, as much as you need prayer in that moment, you also need to protect your story. Yeah. Because what ends up happening is you love the attention you get from it, right? And mm-hmm. we didn't. We sheltered our story from mm-hmm. everyone else mm-hmm. until I'm we sure were ready. I'm sure it got I out, mean, but for knew, us, but, we, but we, we weren't were the ones talking about it. Right. We were talking only in our circle. Right. I think until they shared our testimony at church, that was really... Yeah, and then, and then thousands of people knew, like overnight. We had family members sitting in church that were like, what? Yeah. This happened? And that was a few <laughs> years later, and people just didn't, yeah. didn't know. I wanted to touch really quick on what you hashtag about porn kills love and how yes. you're talking about that. And so... What would you speak to, or what your ministry, or what you guys do? Is it marital conferences, even? Or um, I, I, yeah, I've attended the marital, the the marriage okay. conferences, women's conferences. Yeah, um, not so much as the couples. Like we've done speaking engagements yeah. together, but you know, honestly, when when you see the hashtag porn kills love, mm-hmm. um, people don't understand the damage that pornography has, yeah. especially just on one individual, but as a couple, like mm-hmm. I would honestly say, so just for the record, it was a 10 year pornography addic- addiction, mm-hmm. which then led to multiple affairs. Right. And so for me, when I heard pornography addiction, and then when I heard the affairs, um, as I went through my my all the different stages of grieving and healing um it was the pornography that hurt worse Mm -hmm. because as a woman you know you want to feel pursued you want to feel beautiful and gorgeous and now I'm competing with these pornographic images and Mm -hmm. these fantasies and Mm -hmm. you know in a society that's all things airbrushed and all Mm -hmm. things about you know size and beauty Mm -hmm. how can I compete with that right I'm an exhausted tired mother of two Um, I'm trying to keep my head above water. I can't be that person. Mm -hmm. And so my image was completely broken. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was what I call the sin consequence Mm -hmm. is, you know, the the lasting sin consequence was just how I see myself. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough, skinny enough, all those enoughs. Mm -hmm. Um, My voice doesn't matter. So why even speak up? Um, and then when I was challenged to start this ministry, it was like, well, no, I can't. Like, my story is not enough. Like, this isn't going to, this isn't good enough to have, you know, speak on behalf of what God did in my life. And mm-hmm. that is where the porn kills love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's devastating. Yeah. And it starts from young kids all yeah. the way up into, you know, we're oh, talking yeah. 60, 70, 80 year old men who are still addicted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is the new gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. 
It's like what starts in the thought life, like you reap and sow into the action of it, right? True. Yeah. So is there, I mean, is there like anything you could tell someone? Like I only feel like it's the Holy Spirit that can deliver someone from that. Like addiction issues, like the practicality though that you have to walk through. Like are there things you can put in place like apps that like block that type of behavior? Mm -hmm. The accountability part though, that sounds like that was probably a huge part of it where people are checking in. But you were willing to work on it, you know, like you were ready to go down that yeah, but I was also at a point where I was just, like, so just disgusted with where I was in life, yeah. right? And I yeah. I don't know that – I'm glad I got there. I know a lot of people who aren't and are stuck there. Yeah. Um, but I do – you know, I early on – I don't know if I was given the book or, or I was. You had bought me the book <laughs> like, before I confessed. She had bought <laughs> the book, Every Man's Battle, mm. and I had read it. Mm. And I read it right after, and it was like – it hit spot on because they talk about the chemical imbalance in uh, when you know when you watch pornography it's the same as if you're you know competing in something and you win that that endorphin that gets released you become Mm. addicted to and the only way you know to fulfill it is the quick fix you know whether it's a drug whether it's pornography whether it's you know lifting weights I mean it's whatever forget the name of the endorphin the, the chemical but um but your body starts to need it and you start to want that thing. And the book talks a lot about, you know, there's, there's the, the obvious part about trying to avoid it, but it talks a lot about reframing your mind and reframing that, you know, when you need that chemical fix, how do you address that? You have to address it differently. And it talks about how when you start going through that process of eliminating that and putting your time and energy into the word, but this is so simple, but we, make, we try to make it more complicated than it is. When you do that, you know, you're, you're not going to bat a thousand right out of the gate. You're going to str- still fall. You're yep. still, still struggle. But yep. if every day you're making progress and the word is filling in more, the spirit will overtake. And pretty soon, and I remember vividly, I was mm-hmm. the guy the other day talking about this. I remember vividly looking at pornography again, maybe, you know, when I was in the process of trying to wean off it. Right. And getting to a point where I'm like, this is gross I don't want to look at this mm-hmm. and I remember that thinking oh my goodness mm-hmm. the word is taking hold mm-hmm. my mind is changing and you know it's it's the um, it's you know it's like the sanctification process right and it's that in your mind and mm-hmm. men have to want it though I yeah so many men say they want it they're not willing to go through the steps right and I think for me I probably early on said I would have said I wanted that but wasn't willing to go through the steps and then I just hit a point where you do yeah, I've heard someone say, like, take this sin from me, God, just not yet. Right. <laughs> and it's like, you you want it, but you don't want it enough mm-hmm. to work through. Mm-hmm. The, it's, a, it's a job. Like, you yeah. have to work at it oh, daily. And, and it's like and, to your, your question about, you know, there's apps and stuff. There's all that stuff you can put in place. And then there's also yeah. 30 other places you can go to get it. Yeah. It's like I met with a guy <laughs> the just... other day, and I told him flat out, I'll help you with this. Mm-hmm. I'll help you put those things in place. You need to start by making the list of the places you go. Mm-hmm. And when those are blocked, where else can you go? Let's start by acknowledging it. Right. Still haven't seen the list. Mm-hmm. And that's just it, right? I mm-hmm. mean, they have to want right. that change. I, I always think of, like, Joseph fleeing mm-hmm. in the Bible, like in Genesis. He's one of the few that just, like, takes off. He, like, doesn't take the bait. And I'm thinking, gosh, even if it's as severe as, like, getting rid of your phone, like, mm-hmm. go get yeah. a dumb phone, you yes, know? Like, it might, phone. yeah, it Seriously. might take that drastic of a um, resolution, mm-hmm. right? Or, like you said, the places you know 
not to go. Like, do not drive your car. Fill that Thursday night, Friday night mm-hmm. with a Bible study or something yeah. or a date night. And working on it is going to be ugly. It's going to be hard. It's going to be confusing and frustrating and all the things. But the one thing that I noticed for, for Tim afterwards is that he chose mm-hmm. repentance. He chose to walk away from his his sin nature. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, he had to have the accountability for people to, to call him out when they saw him going back towards that right. behavior. And, and I had to have accountability in my life when I would become historic or bitter or, or whatever it was to say, hey, no, you chose forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But it was easy for me, it was easier for me to forgive because I saw the change in him. I saw that he wanted to make it better. Right. So many husbands, so many spouses don't want to put that hard work in. So he would accept my very awkward questions. He would accept those long days and hours of, you know, the going back to patience, right? Like he was patient with me as I was healing and patient with me when I said I need space. He was patient with me when I said I need you to answer these questions and yeah. to revisit the emotions, not because I want to revisit for the sake of just making you feel bad and to shame you, but because that was part of my process of yeah. feeling. Like, I need to know some yeah. of these things. I want to know who yeah. you, like, where you've been or like, yeah. who you were during, I didn't know you maybe. Yeah. yeah. Tim made it easy for me to, to work through the healing because he gave me the transparency. Mm-hmm. And so often you don't see the transparency in couples who are pursuing restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the awkwardness of, hey, I want to see your phone. I want to see your emails. I want to see your computer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, asking you, how are your eyes? How is your mind? If, if you want that change, if you want to be healed of that addiction, you're going to be, yes, you don't want to give that information, mm-hmm. but you're going to be more willing because that's something that you choose mm-hmm. to pursue. In the beginning, were you almost scared to ask because you didn't want to know the answer? Or was it... It just um, kind of came out. I'm just scared, period. <laughs> and I would ask all the things. There wasn't anything that I didn't ask yeah. him. Um, I, you were an open book, and mm-hmm. I was very willing to answer those or ask the awkward questions. Yeah. That's yeah. helpful because that's probably hard Sometimes. to even get yourself to that point <laughs> to say that that you, yeah, probably don't even want to ask the question. But so it pro- and then when you're not hiding it something anymore, though, it's so much freedom. I'm sure. Did you feel that like breath of like oh. Like for the first time, like, yeah, you can look at my phone. Yeah, I don't mind if you're on, we share this computer. Like, yeah, it, it, I mean, the burden was gone. Yeah. Um, The thing that was hard was constantly having to relive. Mm -hmm. And there was a long period of having to relive. But, you know, like I said, the gal in our office that was mom just kept reminding me this is part of the consequence that. You know, be thankful she's reconciling Mm -hmm. and this will help her heal. You know, and at the same time she was counseling Steph saying, ask the questions, get Mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't process this, you're always going to wonder and there will always be something there. Uh, So, you know, while the burden was gone and that was freeing on every level, um, it was, you know, the next six months of having to relive a bit was hard. Yeah. But, but, I mean, I'm reliving with person I love right. and at least you know she'd ask the question and I'd be like I don't want to answer this question but I'd look at her and be like but here we are so I'll you know and I had to continue to remind myself I did this right so wow so to end what are some of the blessings you guys have discovered as you've walked through this together and have gone down the hard road of reconciliation not just exiting 
you've done the work, you're doing the work, you continue to do it. So have you seen just an obvious blessing from that? I mean, I'm sure there's many. Oh, of course. The obvious blessings of not walking through a divorce and having to do the, you know, the parenting plan. All of the obvious blessings are absolutely there, but I think it's the unseen ones. It's the fact that here we are 11 years post-confession and Mm -hmm. because we are in ministry, you know, it keeps us sharp. So it's always reminding us of this is what we could have lost. And that was one thing our pastor said to us is don't ever forget how this moment feels. Because the moment you forget how it feels is the moment you go back to that past behavior. And so it does keep us sharp in the sense that we are always reminded of what we could have lost and what we keep fighting for. Um, but, you know, a current blessing is the fact that I have him by my side throughout this past year of recovery with all the surgeries. You know, it's, it's, it, it's the little daily things that we notice as the blessings. The fact that we do have two more kids added to the family. The fact that we can provide a solid home. The fact that, you know, last night we sat around the table and held hands as a family. That would have been gone if we didn't fight for what we really wanted. And... And I think part of fighting for what we wanted, I didn't know what I wanted in the beginning, but I knew I didn't want the example of divorce I've seen before. Um, So for any bride that's listening who's going like, I don't know the direction, I don't know what I want right now, like just keep fighting, right? Like God's going to give you the next step. God's going to give you that next direction of if you need to leave or if you need to stay. Um, I think one of our biggest things just to stop and pause so often we're in a fast-paced life where you just have to like go 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 right like just make a decision and make it snappy so you can move on to the next best thing and God is asking us all just to sit and be still and just to ask him to invite him into that moment and to say okay God like what do you want me to do how do you want me to pray how do I need to pray for my husband not God, I pray my husband falls to his face and realizes the, you know, the sin that he's in. And, um, you know, I hope my husband, you know, hits his rock bottom. Yes, we want that so that it drives him back to Jesus. But I think we need to have the approach of God. How do you want me to pray for my lost husband right now? How do you want me to pray for my broken marriage? Show me, show me what I need to pray for. The other big blessing in this is what has been unleashed in this woman. Hmm. She has impacted hundreds and hundreds of women. Um, she started her little ministry mm-hmm. doing small groups here at church, and pretty soon all the churches in this community were using that small group for their women. All the pastors in the community were sending their broken women to Stephanie. Mm-hmm. And then she creates a page on Facebook and within six months has 70,000 plus followers, mm-hmm. and, and she's now bringing help to all of them, and she's traveled around the country speaking at things and her her whole mo the whole time has been i'm going to look for the one person and mm-hmm. without fail at each one of those things mm-hmm. she'll call and say today i found the one person mm-hmm. and regardless there i mean she had one a year or so ago where she was standing there and there was a major uh, publisher mm-hmm. that wanted to talk to her and didn't later found out from that publisher who met with her that said i didn't because i was watching God work through you and it was overwhelming to sit and watch you just do what you do and impact these women and because that's who she is and she wouldn't be there had we not gone through this and had and God had built that in her and this was the spark right. that lit it so mm. proud of her so the smoke Thank has you. cleared mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I mean, that's not to say, like, I always tell the brides, it's never just one thing, right? It's never going to be just right. a pornography addiction. It's never going to be just one affair. There's mm-hmm. going to be lying, manipulation. There's going to be things that come up later mm-hmm. in life. Um, there's always going to be more to it than just a one-off equation. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to do it with somebody who has restored themselves. You know, I think one of the things we got wrong in the very beginning was... We were in marriage together for our relationship with Jesus. Like, our relationship with Jesus depended on the other person and not on our own. Mm-hmm. And I think it was this past year we were driving in the car with our kids, and somehow the conversation came up of, oh, yeah, if Dad died, I'd be fine. <laughs> and our kids just kind of flipped a lid. They're like, what? Like, how dare you, Mom? I'm like, no. I got God. Like, I'm, I, I, I'd be devastated. I'd be heartbroken. But I would be okay. Because it's um, my life, my my eternal salvation does not depend on dad. It's right. that vertical focus of me and God. And then from there come my husband and, and, and the kids. And you guys. <laughs> yeah. So that if, if there's been any big blessing, it's been our independent relationship and mm-hmm. daily real walk. And not that it's bad for a husband and marriage to, or a husband and a wife to do. No, you should to have. To do faith together, yes. right? But our, all of the. The movements we went through spiritually were together, mm-hmm. and I didn't do devotions if it wasn't with my wife. Right. So then you just have to start asking yourself, am I doing it for my wife, mm-hmm. or am I doing it for me and my relationship with the Lord? And mm-hmm. it was through that that we both finally each went vertically on our own, mm-hmm. and and the byproduct is obviously more authentic, and it's, right. you know, yeah. Well, thank you guys so mm-hmm. much for sitting down with me and just opening up, and I know someone... The one. The one. If not more. She's out there. Yeah, we'll be so blessed by your guys' sharing. So thank you so much. Yes, thanks for having us. Be sure to follow on Instagram at The Marriage Project Co. Or check out the website, www.themarriageproject.co, to see all the photos that accompany each testimony behind each matrimony. And be sure to subscribe for the community newsletter to get each episode sent directly to your inbox.